0: everyone, welcome to episode 1 of Horn okay, Please. I'm your host, Shreyas Khadaba, and I'm super glad to have you here today. Horn okay, Please is where we explore supply chains, commerce, and mobility in India. In each episode, we build an appreciation for the challenges in these industries and dive into the organizations that are taking them on. I've attempted and re-attempted this project for many months now, so it's super exciting to finally get it off the ground. Hit subscribe to stay in the loop. In today's episode, we're diving into Linkit. Linkit is a logistics technology company that provides both hardware and software products to simplify logistics in India. Their products include a tracking device for trucks, software to map out containers at a port, and a blockchain-based transportation management system. Linkit is everywhere, and the company serves a variety of clients, including transporters, manufacturers, ports, warehouses, and large MNCs. To help us through this exploration, I'm joined by Udhav Kumar. Udhav is the founder and CEO of Linkit. Together, we explore Linkit's journey from service provider to product company, understand the complexities faced by goods owners and manufacturers while exporting from India, and learn how Linkit is taking on large incumbents across multiple product lines. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this exploration of Linkit. Hey Adhav. welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks, Shri. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. Um, let's start with the basics. What is Linkit and what do you folks do?
1: Right. So, I mean, I, I would say that we we do everything related to logistics. I feel that there are many companies that, you know, specialize in warehouse management systems or, or GPS tracking or or transportation management systems or sort of e-commerce ERPs. And I feel we're one of the few companies that are actually doing doing it all whether it's tracking your truck, whether it is tracking your goods inside a warehouse, whether it is helping a port figure out where their container is, or helping an e-commerce exporter export from India to America, um, or or actually moving those those goods via a van to the post office. I mean, we're actually doing all of it. So, So I feel that we're actually in every step of the chain. And I think that's what gives us one of the edges.
0: Cool. And to better familiarize our listeners with what Linkit does, Could you give us an overview of your various product
1: offerings? Right. Yeah. So I think that all the five business verticals sort of cover the entire supply chain. So I'll start off with tracking. Um, So LinkTrack uh, is is our tracking product where we are sort of tracking anything, whether it's, it's humans, it's assets, it's containers, it's fans, and we're doing it via GPS. We're doing it via RFID. We're doing it via Bluetooth. We're very technology agnostic in that sense. Um, once those goods have moved, they probably end up moving into a port or a warehouse, which is where Grid comes in. So LinkGrid is our warehouse management system and port automation system. Um, in the warehouse management system, we're sort of tracking where a box is inside a warehouse, whereas in the port automation system, we're tracking where a container is within a port terminal, whom, which crane operator moved that container, how many moves were made before that container actually rolled out. Um, now, talk containers, we come into the export side as well. And uh, that's where PickMyBox comes in. So PickMyBox isn't on the container vertical. We're actually completely on the export side. So PickMyBox dwells primarily with e-commerce exporters. 70% of our market share comes from, you know, uh, Etsy, Amazon, eBay. And there we're providing the logistic services to actually pick up the parcels from their doorstep and get them cleared in India and then deliver them to their end customers. Um, and we are running our own vans and bikes uh, in India, and we've also have sort of certain tie-ups in some, certain cities where you know the scale isn't that much. Um, and then the other two verticals are Linkit.io uh, and and LinkID. So Linkit.io is our transportation management system, uh, which we started about two two and a half years back. Uh, it's it's primarily you could say like a transportation and supply chain ERP, which covers contract management, digital invoicing, uh, e wable creation, digital. Um, Sort of freight payments and that entire gamut of whatever documents you need to actually move shipments out, uh, which even includes selecting the right transporter. So the entire RFQ and bidding process, everything is digital uh, in that sense on Venkay.io. And we have uh, sort of we we have a, a very simple SaaS offering for the lower end customers as well who who don't have a big budget. And we also have the enterprise model, which also includes this blockchain component for those who want to digitize their payments. And then lastly, we have link ID, Um, and as ID suggests, it's it's primarily for identification, and it's based on both barcode and RFID technology. Um, And that also sort of, so that includes everything that it includes identifying which truck should move into which gate and go to which bay. But at the same time, it also includes, uh, you know, doing identification of ammunition. Uh, for, For example, for one of our clients, Delhi police. Uh, where we're actually tracking and and tagging each particular ammunition that we have to sort of see where it's moving, who has it been allocated to. Um, So yeah, so that covers all five.
0: Awesome. Solid overview. Let's go back to your early days now. You're the new kid on the block and no one has heard of you. All your potential customers have their trusted logistics partners and ERP providers in place. How did you get your foot in the door?
1: So we actually started off as more of a services company before we turned into a product company. I feel initially as a startup, one of the biggest challenges you have is getting people to trust you, um, getting, getting like a, you know, a Coca-Cola or a, Ditya or a Samsung to say that, yeah, I want to work with you. It's, it's just not possible. Um, you know, they have long tendering processes, they have pre-qualifications, and you, and you just can't really get an in, in unless you have something really amazing. And even then, you know, those companies aren't really into SaaS. Um, so initially, what we actually did was we did a lot of white labeling. And, and I feel for the first one year, we were just focusing on the product. We were dealing with end clients, but it wasn't really under our own brand name. It was like, we'll build or integrate with your ERP and build you this tracking solution for recording when your truck moved in and around your plant. You know, or it was one more company saying, I've gotten this particular contract for doing this entire you know, ERP and they need to integrate a tracking component. Can you do this tracking? That's what it was like initially. Just had a
0: bunch of aha moments while you were speaking right now. Honestly, love that story. Uh, You know, building trust by providing logistics services and then building white label products to hone your craft. This entire startup hustle that you started Linkit with, pretty awesome. Um, (laughs) Well, as per your website, the hustle seems to have paid off. You've got some 3,000 customers uh, going right now
1: across your five product lines. Um, Who do you serve? So now we are working with manufacturers like LG, uh, Samsung, Hindalco, uh, Bharat Petroleum. All of these are clients. We are working on the, expose, uh, on the Express Korea side. Like I said, Blue Dot's a client, Delivery is a client. Uh, we're also dealing with smaller transporters. Um, we're dealing now with also e-commerce players. So Flipkart is a client. We're dealing with all of Flipkart's transporters. Um, we're dealing with warehouses as well, uh, like Concord's warehouse, we're dealing with shipping lines. So CMA, CGM is a client. So I feel that now, if if someone asks like, who are you dealing with, we can actually say we're dealing with everyone. We're not just dealing with large transporters, but with, you know, the manufacturers who those transporters are moving goods for, we're working with the warehouse where his goods are going and I'm working with the port, which is probably clearing the container of the goods that he's manufactured.
0: Well, that's just about everyone. Um, let's dig a bit deeper into the problems that you're solving for these customers. A lot of your products are geared towards goods owners, manufacturers, and exporters. Um, let's, just, let's just pick the Indian e-commerce exporter for now. Could you walk me through the types of complexities and problems that they face in getting
1: goods out of the country? So the the complex bit that he actually has is that, first of all, once he's actually managing his entire domestic setup, Um, he's also sort of having to battle these regulatory hurdles when exporting. Now, he has to deal with a lot of things. He has to, first of all, deal with some local transporters and carriers to actually get shipments into his factory to assemble the product or to package the product and do all of that. That's, That's step one, right? And then when he's exporting, then he has even more complexity because either he needs to involve a custom house agent that's going to do the clearance for him, he then has to deal with a freight forwarder that's actually going to ship the goods because CH is usually on the freight forwarders. They are usually the ones who are in touch either with freight forwarders or they'll have another company that they're associated with that's actually going to ship the good out uh, you know, to the final destination. And then he has to deal with the last mile in the final destination as well, uh, which means then he needs to depend on this local freight forwarder to have some kind of tie-up in that country to actually ship it to you know, his, his final destination.
0: Makes sense. And sounds like it's a space that's ripe for disruption. Well, this is a good place to dive deeper into your specific products though, and better understand how Linkit is improving the ecosystem. Let's start with LinkTrack. The product is a combination of both software and hardware. You provide a platform for customers to track their assets, but you also provide RFID, GPS, and Bluetooth hardware to do the tracking. Correct. Do you feel your strength is in producing high-quality hardware? Or are you better at repackaging off-the-shelf devices in intelligent ways?
1: So I would say initially, Shrey, it was the latter. It was a lot to do. We were were buying very simple and cheap hardware, to be honest. This is back in 2017. Um, And we found great vendors in, in Korea. We found great vendors in China. And we found simply good technology. I feel a lot of it. It was actually to do with with the software, but initially, yes, it, it, I wouldn't call it repackaging, but I would call it reinventing a process. It was using very simple tech, but just creating a software platform that that meant more or, or gave more to a customer than you know something they were initially using did. I feel that's what it was initially, and later on, as as I said, the, when the problems got more complex, then you know that kind of hardware didn't exist in the market. You had to create it
0: makes sense well considering the split focus on hardware and software how do you monetize do you give free software when customers pay for your hardware do you just sell your hardware or or how does that work
1: uh, okay good question i think it's it's very mixed it's it's all across the board but from from a monetization perspective one thing that we do not do is just sell hardware because we we aren't a trading company we have this philosophy of customer first which doesn't just mean um you know put the customer's technology needs or logistic needs in the front but even from a commercial perspective so it, it all comes a lot down to what the customer is comfortable with and, and what he actually wants link track for example there's a big SaaS component there and and many companies are very comfortable having this simple thought that i need to pay ten dollars a month for this and i'm going to get 24 7 support, free servicing, free delivery, hardware, software, training. Whereas then, with the, with the larger companies that we work with, they are more focused on saying, okay, give me a price of hardware, give me a price of software, um, give me a per man power price for the support you're providing me. So they go down that route, and, and, we, and we transparently showed them that, okay, this is what the different components are, and this is how we're going to break it up.
0: Cool. Well, custom pricing is one thing. Just curious, how else does this customer-first philosophy surface itself in your
1: business? Okay, right. So I think in India especially, um, there are a lot of companies that are very proficient in GPS. Someone is very proficient in RFID. Someone's very proficient in Bluetooth. But finding a company that actually deals in all three and sort of says, okay, listen, some, because some companies protest and they say they want RFID tracking, and they end up walking off with GPS. Whereas some companies say, I want GPS, and they end up walking off with RFID. We're very technology agnostic. For me, it's more about making the solution work rather than saying that I want to sell you GPS or I want to sell you RFID.
0: Mm, Okay, so you provide a suite of products to address the core issues that you've identified as opposed to providing point solutions uh, like many other vendors today. Got it. Uh, Well, we've spoken a lot about the trackers that you've created, uh, but could you share a bit about why we need specialized trackers to begin with and why
1: mobile phones aren't good enough? With, with a mobile phone, you have to kind of trigger a a starting of a trip and an ending of a trip. Because you can't be tracking someone's personal mobile phone throughout. right? So there is that concept of convincing and making sure the driver starts and ends the trip. The second one is that it's his phone. He's going to watch TV on it. He's going to watch Hotstar on it. He's going to watch his cricket matches. And he might even turn it off the phone's been made to be turned off and used. Our trackers are not. They don't, you can't even find an on-off button till you use like a special screw to open it. So those kind of things are there to ensure that the tracking is just simply more reliable. But yeah, the tracking can technically happen via mobile phone as well.
0: Cool. Well, one last thing on LinkTrack before we move on. You know, the goods owners that you work with don't really own the trucks that they want to track. So... It doesn't make too much sense for them to permanently install trackers on these trucks. Given that, um, how do your customers prefer
1: to interact with your trackers? Some customers don't actually want to own this asset. They simply want visibility for a particular expensive shipment. You know, and uh, we use sort of our network to sort of pick up a tracker from where it is and send it back to us. where Then we sort of, you know, recharge it, clean it. Pack it up nicely and then send it again on, on another trip for another customer. So sometimes it it works that way. And, and for some companies, it works in a way that this company says that I want you to run my entire system. I own the asset, but I still need you to manage the asset for me because if I try doing it myself, my team is not going to enjoy that because that's not their job. So a lot of our customers actually have our team sitting at their plant. It's not even remote. It's an on-site service. They're the ones who handle coordination with the drivers. They're the ones who do data entry. They're the ones who put the tracker, collect the tracker, receive the tracker, charge the tracker. Uh,
0: That's quite a business model you've got going there with tracker retrievals and embedded logistics teams really giving the customers all they want. Uh, Let's move to Linkit.io, your very own blockchain-based transportation management system. Unlike the market for transporters and tracking services both of which are highly fragmented and commoditized, the market for TMS systems is consolidated in the hands of a few. Companies such as Oracle, SAP and InforNexus, have super sticky products that are tough to let go. That makes it difficult for new entrants like yourself to, to compete. So, so knowing that, what unaddressed problems did you want to go after and what did Linkit.io look like at first?
1: Um, It was a simple ERP um, that we were actually making for manufacturers. And and what we noticed was that their entire management with their freight, like when you are getting goods into your plant and you've, you know, for example, issued a purchase order to a supplier and you're getting these goods in or someone's issued a purchase order to you and you're getting these goods out, that purchase order to the freight invoice is about a 15-step process even though most of the companies you work with see the important bit is you're working with companies like the villa group like samsung and all these people who already have erps but their erp was still not doing a lot it still wasn't actually getting rid of emails it wasn't getting rid of phone calls or whatsapps where a lot of critical information was being delivered it was more like i got this information of email and now i'm going to employ 200 people to do data entry into my erp of all the purchase orders i've gotten that's not how it should be working right
0: No, no, not at all. Seems like a big opportunity to centralize supply chain data. In the same vein, what are some other issues that your manufacturer clients run into while managing their shipments?
1: The manufacturers that we deal with, their logistic departments are amazing. Like They're they're actually very, very good, very sophisticated. The problem was that that entire contract management and enforcement is a nightmare. Like, for example, they have put in rules saying that, you know, in case I send a vehicle request, I need it to reach my facility at this point of time. Or for example, I'll put up this much of a penalty on you. Or if it crosses this much speed, I'll put this much of a penalty on you. How can you actually record what is happening? You can't, it's really, really difficult. So that's where the TMS came in.
0: Got it. So you've got this purchase auto management problem and contract management problem. Let's talk a bit more about your solution. How did you set yourself apart from the fierce
1: competition in the market? One thing that, for example, see what Oracle, Siemens or any of these big companies don't do is they don't have their own tracking product. We've integrated LinkTrack completely with our TMS. So what that means is that when you've inputted in that above 80 kilometers an hour is a $2 penalty, I automatically deduct it on the freight invoice. So when the transporter creates the invoice, he already sees that, shit, I already crossed 80 kilometers three times, I've been deducted $6, dollars, and he can go on to the map and see where they deduct. That where did I get that money from? Where was he crossing 80? I've recorded which driver it is, so he can go and tell that driver as well that, yeah, you know, you sort of crossed this 80 kilometers in our speed in these three spots, and he can see it's on a highway, so he knows it's true. So this contact enforcement was one of the main things that we were doing.
0: Got it. So you're able to find synergies across your products in a way that your competitors just aren't set up to do. Cool. Another interesting aspect of Linkit.io is that there's a blockchain enabled version of it. Presumably the blockchain aspect adds trust to the product, but
1: would love to hear from you, what exactly does blockchain solve? You know, when you're dealing with a large with a large MNC, you're actually dealing with multiple departments within that MNC. Generally, what I've noticed is that the biggest trust that you actually have to win initially is within your organization. Whenever you are remitting a payment to a transporter, the digitization team is going to come up with a digital system. The logistics team is going to think about their transporters and think that will my transporters ever agree to this. The operations team is going to think of, will this help me deliver my shipments more quickly and actually help me out? And the finance team is only going to be thinking about, am I going to be saving money or not? Am I going to be making any false payments or not? Am I going to be, can I get scammed with this digital system? That's why I share this entire system in India of like digital, of like of like sort of signing and hard copies and originals and duplicates and triplicates and stamp papers. That's why it exists. The main part of blockchain comes in because what we've seen is with some of the large manufacturers, they're dealing with large banks and they're dealing with large vendors who understand what blockchain is as well. Their bank is willing to experiment to say that when that state invoice is generated and approved, we're automatically going to remit that payment to you know, the transporter. So there's going to be no additional intimation from the finance department to even say whether this payment can be debited or not. The moment logistics says that, yes, this shipment was delivered, yes, this is a penalty that should be cut. That information is going to go to the bank and the bank is directly going to remit the money into. So the fact that we started on blockchain and we started on hyperledger fabric, which is what the bank also did some experiments on, we were able to actually create that ecosystem where now the payments can be automated to that level as well.
0: Fascinating how this stuff works across departments and companies, and how everything seems to be in experiment mode. Considering that blockchain technology isn't super easy to understand though, how do you go about explaining to your clients what blockchain is and how it's actually more secure than using a regular server?
1: So a large part of our of our process is actually doing a lot of these digital workshops with the people within one plant or within one organization to actually tell them about how this digital system is more secure, how this multi-server or this multi-node system actually helps you protect against, you know, uh, sort of fudging of data, uh, where we actually go and sort of, you know, we do these experiments where we actually like, sort of, integ- when once you've done the integration, we'll actually tell someone in their IT admin department to be like, okay, you have access, go and change this file now. And then we'll have all the plant people sitting inside and show them what happens when you change a file directly, for example, in an, in an Amazon S3 bucket, if you don't have a blockchain system and what happens when your smart pointer to your chain code is preventing this.
0: Awesome stuff, have. I could honestly use one of those training sessions myself. Um, let's move on to Pick My Box, your, your very first service where you're actually moving goods around yourself. With Pick My Box, You help small exporters ship their parcels abroad. You also enable them to book and monitor all their parcel shipments across various vendors, including DHL, FedEx, and of course, Pick My Box as well. Well, what's the genesis story for this product? What problems did you notice in how the system previously worked? And why did you go out to solve them?
1: Okay, so I think that if I simply wanted to send something to you, Shrey, um, as a consumer, I I didn't have a lot of options, Um, and and generally, what what I felt was how difficult would it be to send something as a business, um, and then I I sort of actually got in touch with a couple of people who were sort of exporting goods out. They weren't e-commerce exporters; they were, but they were small parcel exporters as well, and I realized how complex that entire ecosystem was and what all documents and everything they had. Um, and then when we started sort of diving deeper into it, we also realized that the market was, was very much untapped in India. It was, it was primarily being ruled by, you know, the express courier guys. And honestly, when I got shipments from outside, because I would have put a lot of samples as, as, as a business. They usually seem to come in via the postal service. And, and when I spoke with most of the people here in India, no one was actually using the postal service very much. Everyone was using, you know, the, the courier guys. So that in, the use of the postal service was was one of the biggest things that we wanted to touch upon.
0: Hmm. That postal service angle is pretty unique. Also makes it seem pretty bizarre that it hasn't been addressed as yet. Um, well, well, similar to the TMS world, it's not easy to get customers to trust a new parcel export provider. That's why DHL and FedEx sit quite comfortably where they are. They're household names at this point. You've mentioned to me offline that you were able to get your foot in the door with exporters using your core Linkit SaaS product, and also by doing small curated events with export associations across the country. So how's that working out for you thus far? Um, And how large is the business today?
1: In terms of the scale, like I said, about 2000 exporters a day, about 3000 shipments a day is how much you're doing from the actual logistics side and everything. Um, And many of these exporters are just using our platform for actually managing their shipments, uh, because some of them are using RMX, some of them are using DHL, some of them are using FedEx, where we don't have a lot of play other than the platform. There it's more of an aggregation that's going on. Um, So depending upon how big a shipment is, where he wants to send it out, he'll get a list of rates, you know, like he'll get DHL. He'll get pick my box plus freight carrier, pick my box plus India post. And then it's it's for him to sort of take that call and, and decide what he wants to do. And everything else is, is automated for us.
0: Got it. So you found a spot as both an aggregator and a service provider. Very cool. Well, it's been awesome diving into each of your products today, Ulhav. I just have a couple of more questions before we wrap up. I'm sure you get this one a fair bit, but I really must ask... Uh how did Covid impact your
1: business? Did anything change? The pandemic made everyone fear of paper they 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 got scared of paper processes they got they got fearful of of registers of invoices being handed over they got fearful of recording inventory of actually going to a warehouse to be able to count things and and that's when link i d came in place so link i d is actually primarily it it again has two verticals one is Simple inventory management by RFID. And then the other part is is more on the gate automation side. What we are doing there is basically when when a truck enters, you have a bunch of bays that they actually have to go to for loading. And they have a a very large document process that needs to be completed at the gate. We created a digital system where those documents would be pre-uploaded. So it was like a pre-arrival. Um, And then when the vehicle came in, the RFID would detect what vehicle it was. It would bring all the documents up to the sort of gate operator screen. Uh, He would be able to see what's right or what's wrong. And and there were boom barriers and LED lights that we integrated to sort of create like a mini toll system within the plant. What one of our clients told us was that it would take them 17 minutes to actually get in a vehicle. Um, After our solution, it's come down to 17 seconds. And again, the reason why this actually started was because They didn't want the drivers to exchange documents with the gate operator or with the logistic providers.
0: (laughs) I totally didn't expect you to say that you started a new business unit during COVID. (laughs) Uh, But okay, fine, that works. Uh, What are you obsessing over these days? And what is your vision for Linkit's next phase?
1: These days, we've been sort of obsessing over how we can help companies create a very integrated and interconnected digital supply chain, both within their organization and Within their network, you know, of their vendors and buyers, um, our solutions fit into now upstream in plant, um, downstream logistics, and sort of, you know, even integrate with their own existing ERP. So that sort of made that that vision a little more possible and easy. And from a technology perspective, I think our entire team seems to still be obsessing a lot over blockchain and augmented reality. I think you know both these technologies have been around for a while, and they're doing a lot in the consumer space. But in logistics and in the B2B space, most companies haven't been able to go beyond that piloting stage. And I feel quite proud that we have been.
0: Solid vision. Now, here's the closing question that I ask all my guests. What do you believe is the right balance between technology and humans in the next era of supply chain management?
1: I I think that initially the balance was at least I can only speak in India because we've done very few international projects. Um, it's, the balance was skewed towards too much dependence on humans. Uh, and, and those humans also were not able to perform um, you know, uh, uh, very well simply because they didn't have a lot of technology augmenting their decision-making. I, I think that there needs to be a huge balance between the two, you cannot simply rely on technology. And this is coming from me. I, I depend on technology a lot, but you, but you can't just rely on technology. So it's that jobs are going to change, but the amount of dependency that we have on humans is going to exist, especially I feel on, on the supply chain and logistics side, um, because it's so complex, um, you know, we are a far, far step away from, you know, planes and trucks that can drive and fly themselves. But uh, generally, I feel that technology has a big role to play in just augmenting that better decision. making.
0: That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining the show today with Hav. It was lovely having you as our inaugural guest.
1: Same, man. Thank you so much. Hav.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about supply chains, commerce, and mobility, hit subscribe now. I've got some exciting episodes lined up and I can't wait to share them with you. Until then, take care.